Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to A Little Bit Dusty, all things country, rural and outback Australia. Grab a hot or cold one and enjoy the conversation ahead. G'day guys, welcome to another episode of A Little Bit Dusty. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host Tyson Godden. First, I'd just like to say a massive thank you to everyone who's messaged me and all the other positive feedback I've received from last week's episode with Jake Kassar from Jake Kassar Bushcraft. I had a wonderful time chatting to that gentleman and it was really good to listen to and find out more about the other things that he does outside of his bushcraft courses and those things related as well. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I highly recommend you pause this one, jump back to last week's episode, have a listen because there's a lot of cool wild tales in there. Let us know what you think as well. Give us a rating and review. Leave a comment in this episode or last one as well. That way, those who want to find our podcast in the travel category can do it with ease as our numbers would climb a bit higher with the more people that... Uh, get involved with it and it'll keep the algorithms nice and healthy and it'll keep us a bit easier to find for new listeners. So it'd be great if you guys could leave a comment or a rate a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. That way you won't miss any updates from any other episodes or some other cool content that I've got coming up too. So this episode's a bit different. It's a bit of a mix up. I'm talking to a friend of mine that I've known for about 15 years or so and I noticed in the last few years a bit of a spike in his social media of some photos and some tales and some other wild stories from his Outback adventures. So this is Isaac Holmes. He's a very sharp, wise gentleman, and I really enjoyed this chat with him. I hope you guys do too. Like what I was saying with the Jay Kassar episode, at the end of this one, if you enjoyed it, please give us a comment, a five-star rating and a review as well. That way it makes it easier for new listeners to check us out, and it keeps the algorithms nice and healthy too. We're also on Instagram. You can find us at a underscore little bit dusty. That's where I post some video snippets of these episodes, some stories from my outback travels, as well as some photos and videos and other cool content too. But with saying that, let's get into this week's episode. Enjoy this conversation with Isaac Holmes. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. We've got uh, another guest on who I've known for quite some time now, and I'm very interested to talk about travel, some of the ag scene, some of the work he's done out in the sticks as well. I'm talking to Isaac Holmes, and he joins us now. Isaac, how are you, mate? I'm good, mate. How are you, Tyson? That's why. Yeah, not too bad. Thanks for uh, jumping on. We've got a lot to talk about. I've seen uh, a lot of things over your social media over the last kind of five, six years, and you've gone from, yeah, out clubbing into out in the sticks. Where did, where did it all kind of stem from? What drove your inspiration to get out there in the first place? Well, mate, look, it, um, you know, like yourself, um, I did. I grew up on the northern beaches, and I, um, yeah, was into surfing and partying, and you know, enjoyed the good life that you get at the northern beaches. But at the same time, my my parents had split when I was younger, and my my old man actually lived down in um, a place called Royalla, which was just south of, of Canberra, um, and he was okay. on a he was on a decent bush block down there, so. It was actually kind of my whole kind of interest in the country, yeah, kind of came from then when I was actually a young boy. And it was probably when, um, as a young lad, my, my father used to read me poems of Banjo Patterson, uh, you know, oh, things nice. like the, the Man from Snowy River, Waltzing Matilda, um, you know, Clancy of the Overflow. And there were just, yeah, there are just some, some parts of those poems that just, you know, took me visually out into the bush and out into the outback and, you know, doing activities like droving and, um, 
yeah, so it kind of it stemmed from there. And like, I'll just read some some points here from from the the poem Clancy of the Overflow. And if if your listeners sure. know it, um, they'll, yeah, they'll recognise it pretty well. But it was basically um, Banjo Patterson sitting in his office in the city, and he's writing to his mate Clancy, who he's met out in the in the country, and um, he gets this this reply um, re- reply back, and it was all all via handwritten written notes in 1889 um and it, and he goes the, the reply is clancy's gone to queensland droving and we don't know where he are for a drover's life has pleasures that townsfolk never know and it was just this whole kind of story of banjo patterson sitting in his office and he's and he's seeing clancy and he's visualizing him out out in the bush and you know living this kind of adventurous life and he's saying how he wants to he wouldn't mind trading his position in the city was Clancy. Um, so, yeah, little little stories like that have really sunk itself in my mind. Um, another one is when I was, you know, out in the bush at, on Dad's property walking around, Dad had given me this three, three CD Johnny Williamson um, album. So I was just kind of ripping through all the classics, you know, like True Blue and Very nice. Yeah, yeah. Old, old Man Emu and stuff like that. So Rip, rip, wood shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all, all those good ones. So, yeah, that's kind of where it, where it started from, mate. Um uh, you know, as a as a young man, that's where that kind of vision um, came from. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Um, speaking of uh, books and poetry and that sort of thing, one of the guests I've had on last series, Ron Pike, he had a book out recently called uh, "My Australia: The Musings of a Bushy Patriot from the Riverina," and it's got a lot Very of nice. uh, uh, poetry kind of style that um, yeah, you'd enjoy. I reckon I'll send you a link to where you can have a geese and yeah, um, absolutely yeah, buy the book because. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a ripper. It's got short stories of you know how he grew up in the forties to this really characteristic and just beautifully well written poetry that I haven't really um, yeah read before. It's done with a particular style, so I reckon you'll enjoy it. I'll, yeah, uh, ripper. I'll, I'll send you a link after this. Absolutely. So, but when did you when did you start actually getting some hard yards in and into the thick of it and start working out there? Because you've done a variety of jobs in all sorts of rural and outback areas. You would mind taking us through? A couple of the different uh, jobs or gigs that you've done, and um, yeah. how you got into into doing that kind of work, and what you got out of it too. Sure, mate, absolutely. Um, look, I I finished high school in 2010, uh, and I wanted to join the military. Um, basically, kind of swung around and thought, no, nah, I'll go to uni first. So I did um, decided that I was going to do a nursing degree. Did that, got a job at Royal North Shore Hospital. Started off as an oncology nurse uh, and then moved into intensive care. Uh, and it was there where I kind of really found my feet. I really enjoyed it in, in the ICU uh, and I did a postgraduate in critical care nursing um, and was in there for about five years. Um, I loved it, but it was also the a kind of point in my life where I was like, well, I just want a bit more, you know. And it was, that, it was at that point when um, Olivia, my partner, and I decided to abscond uh, and kind of run away to the bush as such. Um, and that kind of how that, um, how that kind of came about, um, interestingly, was through a patient of mine that I'd actually met in the intensive care. So, oh, yeah? Yeah, his name was Jamo. He was a young fella. Um, and he was a farmer from Mountain Baradine uh, near Canamble. Whereabouts is um, Baradine? Oh, okay. Yeah, near Canamble yeah. and Dubbo. Um, so he'd been out there and he was involved in a motor vehicle accident and had had a high C-spine injury. So he was with us um, in intensive care for months and he was knocking on heaven's door um, for, for quite some time. And we just got on like a house on fire, you know. I became one of his, one of his main nurses and, um, yeah, great, great relationship. It stemmed there and we can continue to, to further that now. But his, um, his sister, or two of his sisters actually, lived and um, – owned stations in Western Australia, uh, one of which was Quabba Station and the other was Wur- oh, yep. Wur- Wurrimal Station uh, and they're actually not, not very far apart from each other. But, um, yeah, our relationship, my, myself and JMO, continued, um, you know, as he, as he was discharged from ICU, we went to the ward and then went to rehab. We, we stayed in contact. Um, and then we are on the phone one time and I was kind of at that point where I was like, oh, you know, I just want to get out. And I was thinking about Livy and I going and doing a road trip up north uh, in the Kimberley, and he goes, "Oh, mate, well, you should you should have a um, have a chat to my sister and see if you can do some work." And I was like, "Oh, yeah, you know, I'm thinking like swing by for a for a week or two, and you know, <laughs> just kind of yeah. do something." Anyway, I got in contact with um, with Sersi there, uh, and she said, 
you know, yeah, look, we can, we'll be able to figure something out for you. If, if it is something, you know, you just want to swing in, um, we can sort that. But if you're interested, uh, look, we'd, we'd, we'd happily give you the, um, like the full-time position that we've got for the season. So, oh, bloody hell. Okay. So I got in contact with Libby and um, I was, Libby's, Libby's a, um, a lovely young, young lady from Dublin in Ireland. So hardcore, okay. hardcore city girl. Uh, and I wasn't all that. Uh, confident that she'd be keen to go, you know. Big old change of scenery. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyways, she was probably like more excited and keen than I was. So once I kind of had that tick of approval, we just went, bloody hell, like, let, let's do it. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of kind of the lead up to us, uh, yeah, getting out into the outback. There you go. So you were there for, what, was it one season or a couple of seasons? Yeah, so we were only going to, initially we were going to be there for six months and then we ended up being there for just over 12 months. So we, we got there in beginning of July, oh, yeah. eh, beginning of um, March 2019 and then left in March 2020. Um, so, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was good. It was really good. And it wasn't, it wasn't as though nursing was something, I didn't, I didn't want to leave nursing because, I hated nursing, but I will make the point that it was, you know, some of the things you see in the intensive care unit that really actually pushed me to go more, more so like no one decides to the morning they wake up that, hey, I'm going to end up in ICU. You know, I'm not going to, no one goes, yeah, I'm going to book that sleep in. in. Um, and it just, you know, highlighted working there, the fragility of life and just the fact that, you know, you, you have to jump at these opportunities when, when they come up and, uh, you know, just get out and experience everything you can. Don't delay things. Don't live recklessly. But, yeah, really, really grab things with two hands and, and have a good old crack. So that's kind of, yeah, how we ended up there. Mm. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, and being in nursing is a pretty tough gig too. So, uh, yeah, not that much to say besides, yeah, yeah it would just be a tough gig. So, yeah, for to go out and change um, yeah, your scenery. Yeah, you absolutely. Well deserved, I can imagine. Um, but, yeah, what you are saying before about taking opportunities one of my uh, good mates who used to live with us uh, Kyle he uh, applied for a job in Antarctica to do like service yeah, uh, right. machine service and maintenance and it was on like a, a year waiting list I think because he's on reserve and then got to about August and he's like oh hey Tyson I got some news I got approved for that job in Antarctica I, I can't miss this hey I've got, I've got, I've got to take yeah. it I've got to be out here in a couple of weeks <laughs> so you know sorry for the short <laughs> answer, no 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 don't follow like, no, go for it you know if you yeah, have the there, like, take it and yeah, he's down there and um, got a couple yeah. of photos and he's something like a rip of time. But yeah, when he's explaining, he's just like, I got approved and I got to do all these tests and I'm going to be out of here in a couple of weeks and yeah. I'm not passing it up. I was like, man, yeah. go for it. Yeah, Good go on you. Sure. Yeah, no, it's, sometimes you just need, <laughs> yeah. you know, because there, there can be a bit of self questioning before you go on these things. Sometimes you, the people you and your, you know, your support systems around you, if they kind of give you the, you know, the, the, the hat tilt to, yeah, go on, have a crack, it's, it's, it's a well, I don't know, a well-needed um, tick of approval almost, you know, because it's for us, like we were, you know, I'm, we weren't losing anything, but, you know, we were quite settled, you know, had a, had a career that I quite enjoyed. We, you know, we had a little place that we were renting that was good. Um, you know, Libby had her, her career as well. So you do have to walk away from a bit of that. So, yeah, good, good on you for being a person for your mate, you know, to support him in, in his choice. Well, I mean, I, I was um, just thinking then, there's a couple of years ago, oh, a few now, when I did my first trip through Melbourne and South Australia and everything else and then ended up back in Broken Hill, uh, I was just, yeah, just a bit bored in Sydney. I thought I was looking for a bit of a change of pace and ended up just bookmarking a few things and then drew like a little circuit, I suppose. And when I got out to Broken Hill, I wasn't really, I didn't plan what I was going to do there or whatever. It was at 5,000 Ks in a month on like a two grand budget. <laughs> but I remember when I was sitting in the caravan park, yeah, with the sun going down, drawing an emu and I thought, like everything's the same color as the dirt. Like yeah. This guy was nuts, and I sat there and just went, "Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is a good idea. This is the most like lucky <laughs> thing I've encountered." So, but yeah, just the fact of going out there in the first spots, um, seems a bit risky or you know frightening at first. Yeah, but yeah the rewards Indeed. always a fucking big payoff. Yeah. In saying that as well, some of the uh, re rewarding experiences and things you would have gained from out working the farm and connecting with those sort of people. What were kind of some of the lessons learned or some of the uh, experiences you were satisfied with and how would they contrast from a similar opportunity or of, of a similar kind of uh, yeah, opportunity in Sydney? Mate, the, the list is endless, really. Uh, it was kind of lesson after lesson, uh, day after day. 
Um, so I'll just kind of start about by saying, you know, what Quabba Station was. So it was a two hundred thousand acre sheep station in the in the nor northwest north north coast of Western Australia, uh, in the Gascoyne region, which kind of sits just okay. below the uh, Pilbara. Uh, and it's a it's a dry, rugged, harsh place, and it kind of. It misses the wet season from the top end and it doesn't get the big kind of storms that you get in the south, um, southwest. So it's just this kind of, right. um, yeah, just, just rugged is, is the word I can, yeah, really yeah arid, arid and, yeah. And, and, and kind of tough, harsh place. Um, so like I said, you know, we were a bit, I was a bit apprehensive. I knew, I was well aware of my inadequacies heading out into this, right? I we didn't have a trade background. I wasn't. I wouldn't have called myself handy whatsoever, you know, uh, when it when it came to you know handyman things. Um, so I, I kind of was really really understood the yeah, lack of value I could kind of add. Um, so I was a bit nervous about that. And when we when, when we got there, it's, it was just you know it kind of like I already knew that I was not the best fit for it. I was very grateful to be there. But um, we get there and it's harsh. It's hot as it was literally like the desert meets. It was right on the coast. So desert meets the coast. And I was used to, you know, the east coast of Australia, you know, rolling green hills, you know, rainforests and beautiful trees. Mm. And um, that was my kind of experience of the country, you know. And not to say that this wasn't picturesque, but it was just very different. So open, so vast. You look around and you fucking see the heat, you know heat waves coming off the off the desert in, in all directions and um yeah it's what do you reckon the max temps were, oh, they, look, were they out there uh, you know probably like definitely like up towards the 40s it wasn't wasn't yeah i don't think i, I can't remember if it got any higher than that but it was just was yeah yeah just, just dry, dry kind of like suffocating like kind of heat well. yeah. um so yeah but look in 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 terms of um in, in terms of the, the lessons that we got there, you know, I went in kind of a bit apprehensive and, and, and nervous and a bit, it was a bit daunting when we got there. But by the end, mate, like it was honestly, it has changed my life and it was one of the, the best things I've ever done. Um, you know, in my eyes, it was kind of like a, a personal rite of passage. Um, I really, I really feel like it was kind of a transition for me from, from almost a you know, boyhood to, to manhood, so to speak. Um, yeah, okay. That's yeah, like it, it was powerful. just, you know, you come you come from the city, right, and if something breaks, you either buy a new one or you get someone else to come in and fix it, right? Out, that's very Out true. there, that's not going to happen. You've got to fix your own problem. So it's a big mm. mind mindset shift in terms of, um, you know, your, your, your management of resources, you know, the acquisition of resources, uh, how you problem solve, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, like I, I had a lot of, I, I took on a lot of responsibility. I felt very responsible for the things that I was, um, you know, partaking in. So, look, some of the high, some of the, the the lessons were like just simple living to enjoy. I really came to love the simplicity of it. You know, we were we were quite far from the rest of civilization. We went into town once a week to get to get groceries. Um, you know, we it was right, yeah, it was right on right on the coast. So we had a lot of fresh fish coming in almost daily. We had, oh, awesome. you know, we'd eat some lamb and goat, and it was just off the land, and it was yeah, bloody, it was bloody beautiful, you know. You, but you, you get simple joys from simple things, you know, waking up early and seeing the sunrise, and it's just rip cranking you like holy smokes, I can't believe I'm, I'm part of this. Um, you know, even even like our our house, we lived in this, we we lived in the bower. Um, that was the name of the, our little kind of cabin. It was this old little joint. Didn't have any had had water inside, but you couldn't drink out of it. So you know, every day or two, I'd have to run up the homestead and and collect drinking water with jerry cans. And yeah, like our the dunny, you had to run outside onto the deck to go into the dunny, and you know, just different things that you wouldn't experience in the Again, city. Again, that's that responsibility. Totally, and it's just it's just mm. simple. It's just it was so it was almost refreshing. Like I love that. Um, secondly, I think another big lesson was, you know, I've already touched on this, but the, the problem solving aspect, you know, my, my boss there was Sarah and Tim, um, Meacham and Tim literally personified Crop Dundee. He was capable, commanding, 
and just weirdly calm, like so confident and just was absolutely over, like all over everything, you know, just could, was a superstar. He was the sparky. He was the builder. He was the the kind of person you want to teach you. (laughs) Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Not his first rodeo. (laughs) No, indeed. You know, and that, that's just, that's just being sculpted in after a lifetime of having to do those things for himself, you know, but he kind of, Mm. we, when we got there, he sat me down and said, mate, look, don't come to me with a problem unless you've had a crack with a solution. You know, and you're kind of sitting there going, holy shit, right? Oh, like, but just once again, changed my mind, mate. Like, I, you know, because you come across problems yeah. every single day, like you're out there. And normally I would have been like, whoa, I don't know what the hell's going on here. You know, you come across something to do with a bloody, I don't know, one of the windmills or one of the balls or whatever, tanks and all this kind of stuff, or, or the, a lot of the machinery that I had no experience with. And I was like, okay, well, I can't go back and just say, you know, it's buggered. So I have to actually use my mind to think about what's going on you know how, how do i fix yeah. this this is meant to be coming in here it's not coming out so what was the pressure is it you know like what what's what's the problem um and that was probably one of the most valuable lessons i will take with me just to face problems but at least have a crack of a sort you know of a solution um so that was awesome and and kind of furthering to that like at the time i was I was reading stuff about like in investing and um, one of one of the investors that I follow is Charlie Munger and he talks about mental models and he um, basically what he refers to mental models is taking the big disciplines of life and taking these models and theories from them, right? So the big disciplines being biology, chemistry, mechanics, law, the, you know, the list goes on and just taking kind of big specified models and theories from them and applying them to seemingly abstract and unrelated problems. Ah, right. And so I'm reading about this, right, and then I'm out in the bush and I'd see Meech, you know, solving problems that, you know, using kind of techniques to be like, right, well, okay, so, you know, in, in mechanics, like this should come in here and, you know, he'd kind of take that and then he'd like use some random, I don't know, just something like completely left a field and apply it to a completely different problem and boom, there's your solution, you know. Um, that, that was really interesting. I, I really, really enjoyed that and I, I got a lot from it. Um, another lesson would be um, just how important and how impressive it is for children to grow up on the land so i'd been there at about three months until i first met sam he was he they had the meachams had three children uh loose and uh tess were the two girls and they were in university and there was young sam who was down in perth at boarding school how old was he anyway sam oh at the time i think he was about 15 about to turn 16 anyways young sambo comes up on his school holidays i've been there for like i don't know yeah three months this bloke added about the same value as four clones of me, you know, and I was just here, I'm going, oh, my God, I'm getting paid to do this. Yeah. And this little fella's come up and he was just, Bloody you know, up. God, it was, it was just, <laughs> oh, yeah, it was just so, oh, big time. And that was all right, you know, like I'm, that was awesome. Mm. Yeah, good, good to see. And, you know, he was just so capable for a young fella. He's going, oh, Dad, we need to, you know, we're out fixing some pipes and he's saying, oh, we should do this and dig out and concrete this and yada, yada. Um, and yeah, just a, just a real inspiration and look further, further to that. We was, was, I'd like to make a little, just a short shout out to, um, young Archie Stedman. He was a, he was another junior icon of the bush that we, that we sadly lost only recently in December, um, of 2021. Yeah. He was, um, Tim and Sarah's nephew and he was, um, he he was killed in an accident on his, um, on his family station out at Wurramal. Um, but he and Sam together literally blew my socks off and they probably impacted me and my thoughts on how I want to raise my own children. Uh, yeah, more than, more than I'll ever know. But, yeah, young Arch, like, he, he knew his way around an engine. Like, God, I don't know, like <laughs> more detail than a, than a bloody mechanic. He, he was all over it and he, he, was, he was good on the bike and good out chasing stock. So, yeah, unfortunately, he's, he's no longer here with us, but... He'll, his inspiration will, will stay with me for a long time. You've heard it. There's a bit of a saying that, you know, currently we've got a generation of kids who are educated but useless. And I think yeah. what I want to try and move forward and, and, and encourage is kind of marrying the two. You know, there's nothing wrong with an education. That's really good and we should strive for an education, but you've kind of got to get out. You know, there's no point. Have some of those life well, lessons. I don't, I, I don't see the point. 
yeah, learn life lessons and learn how to do things, you know, like because I, I just, that was such a realism for me that I got down. I'm like, I don't know how to, there's so many things I just don't know how to do. We don't know how where to start and um, it's just because I hadn't been around it, you know, it wasn't part of my environment. So, yeah, look, mate, the lessons lessons went on. They were they were cracking, cracking good and I could, could talk for hours about them. Um Oh, it sounds unreal. And it's, yeah, well, yeah, it sounds yeah, like quite a powerful experience too with um, some of the people that guided you through your time there too. Yeah, there was indeed. another um, gentleman who was on last series, Tim Beach. He um, has got a like a family farm up near, uh, oh, near Warren and he did a Jackaroo program was talking about that and he was saying similar to what you were saying, um, not only yeah, do you learn just about the farm, but you also have to – you know, learn how to repair a gate, learn how to fix your motorbike straight up if it doesn't, you know, if something goes wrong and yep. how to this, this, and this, everything else incorporated. And yeah, it was kind of giving me the introduction of uh, just how many things would be going on and the kind of mindset you'd have to be uh, in, which is quite an expansive one by the sounds of it, yeah. to make sure that you can, uh, yeah, challenge or tackle any problem when it comes. Did, was there much of a difference between the station you worked at in WA then? I think did you work at a, one of your mate stations in Far North Queensland somewhere yeah. for a bit too? Yeah, so that um, that what was, was the guy there. So that that was uh, Lord Pastoral. Um, I got a good good girlfriend of mine who I worked with in ICU. Her name was Zara, and I used to sit there and uh, we'd be on night shift. And I had this book called Central Station, and it was stories from um, yeah cattle stations throughout the you know the the, the center and the top end um yeah. and nice. I, I knew she grew up on a big cattle station so she'd sit there and she'd be drawing me diagrams of how you where you put pressure on cattle and how to move them and oh, all this okay. kind of stuff um and yeah so then last year uh for a few weeks olivia and myself um took some leave off work and, and we shot up with with zara and went to her family property so they their operation is uh, lord pastoral um, and they've, they've got a few things going on, but their their main station was Sutherland Station, uh, and then Zara's brother um, Nico Nico Lord uh, he he was uh, in charge and operating uh, Woodstock, uh, which was another another station um, quite close okay. to each other there, just near Richmond there. Um, so yeah, look, mate, there was there was some notable um, differences between the two. Um, Quabba was uh, sheep. Only, um, whereas right. um, Lord Pastoral, Woodstock, and, and Sutherland, they were all um, cattle, uh, and that was that was our first experience with cattle as well. And they're certainly a different beast. At Sutherland, um, they they do what's called rotational grazing. I don't know whether you've heard of that, but it's a no. Um, what's oh look? Rather than let's just say yeah. you've got a you've got a let's just say a hundred acre paddock, right? Rather than just letting mm-hmm. your cattle run out and just free roam in your 100 acres, you could split that 100 acres into 10 paddocks, right, and then you rotationally oh, gotcha. move them around. And what you're kind right. of doing, it's it's in terms of sustainability in the future of farming, it's, I, I believe it's where it's at. Um, you know, like basically what you're doing, you're mimicking the migratory movements of prehistoric, well, not prehistoric, but, you know, um, ruminant animals that have roamed the world like bison and um yeah all these large ruminants that kind of weren't just in the one area but they 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 were in heavy numbers in in small areas and they continuously moved around and so what you do with that is you actually give your soil a break you fertilize it with their manure and their urine in heavy numbers and then you that you know then they'll move for the next paddock and that cycle goes on and it was and that previous paddock gives that time to grow and yeah to, re- to regenerate and like, it's a really yeah, yeah it's, okay. look it's an impressive it's thing mate. and hmm. it was like night and day looking at like photos i got a photo a photo where there's a fence running down the middle on one side you've got um sutherland station who's doing rotational grazing and they're in the middle of a drought yeah. right so the whole thing's dry as right you can you look at it and you go crikey that that is dry but one side still has grass right now you go there's without question there is grass the other side looks like a sandpit and you're like wow that you know it 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 definitely works so hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th do you want to tell people the big news 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. But what that means is, you know, you've got to be moving stock every day or, you know, every day or two um, or third or whatever, how, how, how you adjust it. There's a lot more um, analysis and assessment of your pasture as well. Okay. Today we're using the kind of philosophy of RCS, which is um, Resource Consult- Consulting Service, uh, which is a pretty one of Australia's probably most popular, yeah, rotationally grazing um, kind of uh, philosophies. I guess they're a company; they do a lot of good courses. Um, it was I had actually done done one uh, only a few weeks before I went up. I didn't realise they were doing rotational grazing up on Sutherland pretty much until we got there. But it was only a few weeks before I'd done done a course out in uh, Goulburn, uh, just out of interest because I'm quite quite interested in that space. So it was good to kind of see it in practice. And, oh, cool! Um, Send us a uh, link to once once we have yeah, a chat. I'm yeah, yeah. having a read of that. Absolutely, yeah, not a problem. At Quabber, it was just myself and Livy working with um, Tim and Sazi uh, at. Up at Lord Pastoral, they've got, they've got a lot of boys there um, who, you know, a, a lot more staff. So they, they might, at each station, you know, they could have uh, five, six, seven, eight, eight lads working for them. Um, so for us at Quabba, it was a real, like, awesome, awesome family environment. You know, it was just Tim and Sears, you would ask us up, we'd have, you know, dinner up there, we'd have beers on their deck every arvo and felt felt like a real, nice. real family. Um, and, um you know, Lord Partial does that as well. Like, you know, they're, they're very inclusive, but it's just, you, you, it's a bigger crew, you know what I mean? Like you feel like yeah. there's a lot of people different, it, there were different positions. So you've got the head stockman, you've got, you know, second in charge, all that kind of stuff. So a um, bit, bit of a different feel, feel there, yeah. Since you've, you know, put in some hard yards and some real hard yakking from some of the photos that are on your Instagram and different parts of the stations you've been to and that sort of thing, since you've been, well, you've walked the walk essentially, uh I want to get from your perspective, what do you reckon are some of the challenges that are facing Australia or rural Australia that you might have encapsulated your time there or that you might have just picked up from, um, yeah, just your experience of different people you've chatted to? What do you reckon are some of the main challenges of struggles of uh, rural laws today? So the, the struggles of rural rural living? Mm. Yeah. Um, some of the challenges they may face. Oh, mate, it's, look, it's bloody endless. It's really hard. Um it's it's a pretty when when you're working, and I and I say working with nature because you have to. Um, I think a, there's a lot of people out there who probably try and work against it, uh, but you're pretty much always going to lose whether that's your sanity or just the battle you know, in general. So you, you have to learn to to work with nature, um, and with that, I think it teaches you, um, you know, a kind of level of stoicism and and, and calmness, uh, just to accept simply what is. Um, and that, that's what I found most impressive. A lot, a lot of these 
people, you know, they'd face these problems and I'm kind of waiting for the blow up, waiting for them just to, you know, lose it and they just keep, just, just keep chipping away at it and figuring out, right, okay, we can't do that, we'll do this and just keep filtering through through options and, um, yeah, ways to kind of get over this. But, yeah, look, mate, like I said, especially in Quabba, that was tough. We were right on the coast, right? So anyone who lives like I'm talking on the coast doorstep knows what rust is. Everything had a short ah. shelf life. Everything turned to rust. Um, so there was, you know, the poor buggers, like they just everything was kind of breaking. You know, everyone had a very everything had a short shelf life and would kind of rust out. Um, you know, pretty pretty quickly. So there was always jobs to do, always things to fix. Um, it's just kind of yeah, like unrelenting, continuous <laughs> problem solving. Um, and it's you know it's hard it's hard to get hard to get things out there. So everything you take for granted in the city, power, water, waste removal, everything like that. That's an important one. Doesn't just it just doesn't come naturally, right? You don't just go oh, like one one of the times we were there, we had um, we lost water um, pressure. Just a, just a bit of water pressure was lost in our sinks and uh, you know if that had happened at home i would have been like oh okay like you know it wouldn't have taken much notice but no that that's like a sign like there's something wrong there where has that pressure gone why is that pressure not there so you know jump on uh, your and that's it farming out there mate it doesn't end there's no nine to five like yeah that shit happens yeah, at 11 off. o'clock at night you're out there with the torch fixing that because there's if you leave it mm. there's going to be bigger problems um, Were there many of those cases while you're out there? Bit of a yeah. emergency prepare. Yeah, look, yeah, nothing, nothing kind of like catastrophic or anything you couldn't handle. But like we'd, we, there was one one day we'd done um we'd, it was a big muster day. We've been up since about like three a.m. We we kind of got out of bed, uh, mustered, did, done a big muster, then spent the whole day in the yards. Like it was brutal, middle of summer, bloody hot, um, just big hours, and then we'd finished at about. I probably I think it was like it was like eight at night or seven seven thirty eight or something. Damn big day. And yeah, and then not twenty minutes after we finished, this kind of storm rolled through. We're all going, oh my god, I haven't seen rain for months. This will be unreal. No, just an electrical storm ripped off a massive bushfire. Whoa! So <laughs> yeah, so then Come on to the like, next. Literally, the lads have just been working since three o'clock in the morning till seven thirty at night. Just stopped, and then they're out. You know. Putting fires out. And some like, people don't just, understand you know, you that too. That. Again, because we would just have a number to call to try and get someone else to fix it. Yeah, mm. that's right. And you know, thanks. Wow. Thankfully, it wasn't no, nothing, no major damage, and everything could be, um, you know, like no, no one was hurt or injured. We just had to, you know, there was a few few weeks after of replacing burnt pipes, and um, you know, lost a fair bit of feed for the stock as well, which was disappointing. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, but look, you know, these guys are resilient. They have the grit to endure adversity just, you know, on and on and on and just keep on trucking. So, mm. yeah, pretty pretty impressive. Yeah, that's one of the most impressive uh, kind of characteristics about people from out in those areas, the resilience and, yeah, just the kind of like, oh, yeah, no, we'll keep going. Let's all just, you know, push through, just not even have a second to think about something that will just be, you know, a waste of energy or stress or whatever. It's just not what we can keep going. That's it. Yeah. Um, look, I've, you've certainly convinced me, as has Tim and a few other people with some of the photos I've seen from your travels and now that you've explained some of the things you've got up to. Uh, I was possibly going to be heading out this year to do a season, but – uh, I stayed on to do more of the live sound stuff. Then and the RSL closed down, and then I got COVID with music all up in the air. So next year is most looking likely, but I'll get some more info on that before I head out. That way, I've uh, got a bit more of a know-how. So if someone Absolutely. like me or you know anyone else was thinking about heading to the outback for the first time or trying to get into a bit of uh, work or some mustering work like you were doing or um, what I would like to do or what uh, like a Jackaroo program like what Tim has done, what's some of the kind of advice or, you know, little tips and tricks that you'd give someone looking to do it for the first time? Is there anything to kind of look out for, anything to really prep for and that sort of thing? I, I think it's it's a lot of it is is mental, you know. Like they can they can find, even even if you're like myself, totally green, right, no background in trades, no background in farming, they will they will have you doing cool stuff, right, cool, cool, cool jobs, uh, that are, will be, you know, entertaining and intriguing for you. But I think the important thing out there is just to be remain humble, know where you're at, um, don't be too overconfident, but confident enough to just have a go. 
I felt like Meech had ways more confidence in myself than I did because he'd, t- he'd show me something once, you know, and he'd go, all right, go on, you have a, you, you're up to it now. Oh, holy well, I'm glad you think I can do it. Like, <laughs> um, you know, so it's really kind of balancing um, balancing that kind of confidence act. You certainly don't want to run around thinking like you know everything. Um, and I'd, I'd say, look, it's, you know, it's a pretty – I won't. I won't deny it. You know, there are there are things out there that can um, that can kind of harm you. You know, you're, you're going to be doing some pretty pretty. Not, I'd call it adventurous stuff, right? So always just remember what you're doing. Remember your place. You know, have a bit of risk mitigation. Think about how you can um, you can preclude nasty events from happening. And what one way I did that, I kind of went into every situation I do or find myself in every job that I would do. I would say, right, what's the worst thing that could happen now? Okay. Yeah, okay. Like the absolute worst thing. One, it's either I'm going to hurt myself or I'm going to damage this very expensive piece of equipment. Equally as embarrassing, <laughs> didn't want either to happen. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, right. Okay. You identify that problem and then work backwards. Right. So, if we can avoid that at all costs and then just slowly work backwards. And yeah, look, most of the time, pretty much got those, got those jobs done well and, you know, smooth enough that no, no I never hurt myself or um, anything like that. So, Another thing I would say is, you know, for, for yourself or forever, someone our age, you know, for a young fella straight out of school or young young lady, um, you know, you, you're actually going to go out there and you're going to earn money. So it's probably the best thing you've ever done. But for someone like yourself and I have been on a decent wage for a few years now, it's almost a step back, certainly financially, to go out to some of these stations, right? They can't afford to um, necessarily match the salary you're on. But I just the parting advice I would say is that, you know, not all value is monetary and I have got more out of my time in the outback in the bush than I can ever imagine getting from anywhere else. Right. So, Very you know, interesting. some people... That's part of the trade-off, isn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, some people might think, mm. oh, well, that'd be great, but I can't afford it. But I would say, well, you know, can you afford not to? That's something to consider. Yeah. Um, and I'd, I'd also, as well as advice, you know, I'd just like to say, I'd probably also on the other end, I'd like to advise, you know, people in those... Uh, you know, more leadership managerial station owner kind of positions is just a, um, you know, be like a bit like Tim and says, you know, like give, give people a chance, you know, Olivia and I went in completely green. We had nothing backing us, but they gave us a chance. And like I said, it has impacted my life um, tremendously, like, and something that I, you know, they probably won't, won't understand quite, um, quite how powerful that was for, for both Olivia and I. So, you know, just, yeah, give, give people a chance. They, you know, they might, might not be perfect, but if if they've got a good head on them and they're willing to give their best, um, you know, everyone ends up having a bloody good time. Unreal. Very well said. Now, something else I just want to get your input on because it talks to a few other people, but I just want to hear uh, your take on it too, is that we've been starting to see sure. uh, food shortages and supply issues with our produce as well as uh, more imports of food that we can prepare here, uh, not so much with the COVID stuff, but just more things with like uh, different trade agreements and yeah, where our food from you know that's been grown here is going, and why we are you know consuming as much of it. I think yeah, as I've covered in other episodes, how important do you believe is it to shop local and support local Australian businesses so we can keep Australian-made food and goods thriving in the future? Because some of these uh, trades and different policies at hand, I don't think we're getting the most benefit out of our homegrown produce. So, what do you reckon are some ways that we can keep things Australian-made and Australian local? rather than having all these, you know, made from 10% Australian ingredients, you know, packages and that sort of thing. That's shocking, isn't it, mate? Mm. Um, yeah, look, it, it's actually interesting. So when just as COVID was kicking off, I was um, out on a mill run, right? So I was out on the motorbike. I'd get up real early before it got too hot. Um, and so I'd leave it about, I don't know, 5 o'clock in the morning, something like that, uh, and, and head out and check the check the windmills and the bores and make sure that there's water going in and stock it. Uh, uh, you know, got enough water there for a good drink. Um, yep. And I was out there, and you know that could take a few hours, right? So you got a fair bit of time to sit there and mm. think about stuff. And COVID's kicking off. I'm thinking, crikey, it's like this is before we knew like what COVID was. You know, I didn't know whether it's a yeah. flesh-eating brain disease or something. You know, <laughs> like are we, you know, and you start <laughs> running through your head, and I'm thinking, crikey, am I gonna like? Is this gonna erupt into some Mad Max apocalypse event? You know, like where full mm-hmm. supply chain shut down and. You know, that just like, I was like, once once I thought of that, 
I was actually starting to plan. I was like, right, we got fuel, we got food, you know, going run through all that kind of yeah, yeah, zombie yeah. apocalypse stuff. But it, you know, kind of a bit further than that, it kind of made me realize like, no, like we, it's really important, I think, you know, and people in the city, like not everyone can achieve this, but just to at least try and get on the land or try and get some kind of investment or some deal with like local farmers where you, you know, you can try and like even just buy a whole whole cattle or half a cattle, half a beast, whatever, and at least have, you know, the ability to freeze it or whatever. But I mean, personally, like I, I endeavor to, um, yeah, li- live, live off the land and at least, um, you know, no, not not at kind of like a station level, but at least be able to feed my friends and my family in the event of um, you know things heading south. Yeah, how do we how do we get people to want to buy one hundred percent Australian you know products? I think there needs to be more education. I don't think people think about it. Food is a commodity that people just guzzle down. Do they look like unless you're health conscious or you know conscious about um, you know, where your food comes from, which, you know, it's the average person I don't think necessarily always is. If they're buying from big supermarkets, your Coles, Woolies, Costco, all that kind of stuff, I don't know if they're looking at where that comes from. And does it matter? No, because it just makes, you know, I'm not hungry anymore. So I think there needs to be a bit more education um, and so surrounding that. And I think, like, look, people kind of outsource responsibility a lot and, you know, there's a big push for, you know, oh, we should have the government do this. We should have the government do that. It's like, yeah, but what can you do as an individual? Where can the individual come in and go, right, okay, I'm not going to shop at those big, big, you know, global chain supermarkets. I'm going to, like, go to my local, try and find a local farmer's market. Oh, it's in the next town. We don't have one. Righto, drive. Like, sometimes you just got to make some changes in your life. Um, And we vote with our dollar, I think. I think your money is powerful and that's, that's the direction of your decision uh, is represented through where you put your money. So I think people need to, there needs to be more education, more talk, and then people actually going out and supporting local local farmers, whether like the paddock to plate has just erupted, you know, like you can get, you can get good quality um, uh, meat from, you know, meat, eggs, even veggies, literally delivered from the farmer to your house. Yes, you might have to pay a little bit more, but what's important to you, the, you know, continuation of our, um, you know, national agriculture, um, our economy, uh, your health, you know, like who wants to eat imported packaged foods? Maybe some do, but that's that's not where I kind of <laughs> sit. Yeah. Well, that might not be, yeah, again, that they're thinking about it that much. Um, yeah, as uh, Scott Graham from uh, Mirror Book of Pork up in northern New South Wales, he was on this series, he said, yeah, eat less of the better stuff and just be, uh, yeah, take the extra two seconds just to either look at the back or try and read the story of, yeah, where it comes from. But voting with your dollar, you haven't really thought about it that way. So that was a good, really good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, yeah, Isaac, we're near the end of the episode. Is there anything you'd like to leave the listeners on or uh, give a few tips for anyone wanting to visit uh, the Bush or the Outback? I think we kind of covered that before or just anything else that uh, you'd like to, yeah, leave the listeners on or anything else they haven't really, you know, some of them to check out. Look, I'd, I'd just say just just get out there, support your support your stations. A lot of the stations do station stays, so you can actually go and stay on the station. Um, and oh, cool. yeah, that that was a big part of of Cobbers, uh, operation as well. They they had two two places to stay. You could stay at the homestead, um, and you could also stay at Red Bluff, which was a campsite up north with an incredible um, incredible uh, surfing wave. Um, so. I, w- I would I would advise just yeah getting out there supporting supporting the the whole industry. I would also say like if you find yourself in a job, you know, and especially as a young person, I, I think there's a when we were up in um, up in Queensland, you know, I was chatting to a lot of the young guys up there, and I, I don't think they truly understood the value in what they were doing. You know, oh, it's just we just work on a station, everyone does it or whatever. Coming from the city, coming back to the city, taking those skills. Uh-huh. You know, like that has propelled me and I, I feel like you have, you might talk to someone in the bush about it and they go, oh, righto, whatever, that's, you know, everyone does that. Come come have a yarn to someone in the city and tell them you've been out in the outback and you've, you know, chased cattle and or sheep, like that's that's incredible you know people are fascinated mm. by it it's a it's a it's a great topic of conversation and it's a thrill like we we go i remember the first time we went out mustering we left at like met at the shed 4 a.m right? dark as there's eight eight of the lads are all there on the bikes Meech is giving us instructions i felt like i was part of the friggin' sas like <laughs> so i felt like i was on some like operation cool. you know what i mean and then that's right so cool. we jump on the bikes we're heading out and literally like 
as we're driving out, I find out I got the motorbike without the frigging headlight. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and, it, like, everyone's just like, we're off. We're taking off. No one's stopping the yeah. sort. So I just had to, like, all right, I'm just going to have to cop this. So I'm driving in the pitch black, and I could see the fella in front of me. He had a light. So he, we were going over sand dunes, and his light would, like, light. As he was going up, it would light up, <laughs> but then he'd disappear, out. and then it would go black for, like, a few seconds, and the bloke behind me's headlight would he reach the peak, and it would light up. And then so it was this constant wave of, like, That's classic. light and black. <laughs> and then, like, you see the sunrise, and you're heading out, and you've been told on a map where your positions are. And I'm just going, this is so cool, right? Like this, it just doesn't get better. So then you go get your position and then the boss is there and he's in his little um, gyrocopter you know, up, up in the sky and he, you know, he'll, oh, yeah. give, he'll give you instructions over the radio. Um, and, you know, we'd, we'd be moving like a couple of thousand head of stock. Like it's, you know, big, big stuff. And Big job. Yeah, yeah. So, we, you know, you'd be out there and then I remember once it was all under control, all good. We'd been moving these these big mob of sheep for like a couple of hours now and then there's a couple of thousand there and then right on my kind of corner this little cheeky prick just takes off and he takes off with like <laughs> hundreds following him right oh no yeah so then here it is boom on the throttle you know chasing him and i'm going oh like this is crazy and i'm you know then then like a you know a couple of 30 seconds later there's one of the, two of the other lads are there on their bikes and you feel like you're part of the team then the the boss is in his little gyrocopter and he's doing dive bombs and mate i felt like i was in i don't know two commando in afghanistan and in a firefight with the taliban like it was just the best thing i've ever done um so look you know you might find yourself in the city doing whatever monotonous job you find yourself doing but there's a whole world of excitement out there and there's a bunch of history and it's yeah it's a cool cool place if if not something that will continue a uh a likening and appreciation for the for the for the outback for agriculture it's just one hell of an experience so yeah get after it get amongst it and you'll you won't regret it far out beautifully said some of those experiences it sounds like yeah you just can't put a price on it you sold me so hope you sold the other listeners that are listening to this as well (laughs) isaac uh yeah that brings us to the end of the show mate thanks so much for jumping on it's really great to hear your stories and to catch up uh, via zoom but uh yeah, I've um, yeah been really excited to hear what you had to say, and yeah, some of the stories I've got a, a real enjoyment out of. I'm sure everyone else has as well. So, thanks so much for being on the show, man. And uh, yeah, I'll let you know. I will speak. I'll send you a message about the uh, the book as well. Yep. Cheers, Tyson. Awesome. I appreciate the, the the time. It's been good. No worries, mate. We'll speak soon. All right, catch up. Cheers. Wait. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.